0: Are you guys ready for the word this morning? Let's go ahead and uh, bow our head as we come to it. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness and your great love. Father, I thank you that our hearts would be ready to receive what you have for us this morning, that it would be encouraging this morning, that when we leave today, that we would be better equipped to tackle this world, Father, knowing that you were with us in your strength and in your might. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you would uh, just give me the words to speak, Lord, that the preaching of your word would be effective to the increase of faith and that your word would accomplish what you intended to accomplish today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I've entitled this morning's message as Walking in Authority. Well, good. Let's pray. (laughs) Hallelujah. Uh, You know, one of the things that I've realized is that I don't think most Christians have a full understanding of the authority that they actually have. I think that uh, sometimes we, we, maybe have an intellectual idea of, of the authority we have. We, we've got it in our head, but we don't really have it in our heart. And there's a difference between uh, having a, an, under, an intellectual understanding of something, partic- particularly biblical truths, and having a revelation of that thing. Because when you have a, 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 an intellectual understanding, it makes sense on paper, but sometimes it doesn't work its way out in your life. But when you have it in your heart, when you have that, that, that God reveals something to you, then you actually live from faith in that area in your life. But I think that so many Christians don't really understand the authority that they have. They personally have. And you see this all the time. It's why uh, in many churches that uh, the only person that people want to pray for them is the pastor. Have you ever seen that? Well, I can pray for you know, another leader in the church. I can pray for, oh, no, it's got to be pastor so-and-so. Because somehow they think that only the pastor has authority to do these things they they think that the person in charge is the only one that I sings. and they're afraid to to ask another believer or another leader in the church or really even themselves how many know that that sometimes you just need to lay hands on yourself and begin to pray for yourself because you have authority and today I i want to talk about us getting an understanding, a revelation of that, looking at scripture that shows that we have that authority. And I'm hoping today that when you leave, you're going to be encouraged that you actually have more power than you ever thought that you had. Not of your own doing, because in our own strength, we're just about worthless, let's be honest. But in his strength, we have power, amen? Amen. So, there are three main types of authority that I think, if we boil it down, there's kind of three main or basic types of authority. And the first type of authority is usurped authority. You guys know what usurp means? It's basically authority that is stolen. So usurped authority is authority that is stolen. And, and basically, if you look up the definition of, us, of usurp in the, the dictionary, it's basically to seize power by an illegitimate means. So a, a base, basic example of that would be a, uh, a, a rebel king that comes in and kills the real king and takes his position. He didn't have the legal right to take the king's position. He didn't have the legal right to have that authority, but he stole that authority. So that's usurped authority. That's authority that really, doesn't really belong to you, but you've stolen it. So that's the, that's the first basic type of authority. The second basic type of authority is authority that you yourself give to people. How many know that you give people authority in your life all the time? Um, a perfect example of that would be uh, the authority you give to a pastor. How many know that, that uh, uh, when you call somebody your pastor, you're actually giving them authority to speak into your life? The truth is, is that I have no authority in your life other than what you're willing to give me. I can't, you know, if, if, you, if you don't accept my, my correction or my teaching, I can't call the police and have you arrested. Matter of fact, you can do whatever you want. You can say no. You can say suck it, Pastor Wayne. There's at least one person in this church that says those, those things. <laughs> in her defense, I said it first. Now she just mimics me. <laughs> but uh, uh, but th- I have no authority in your life other than what you give me. Because the truth is, is if, if, if you don't heed what I say, if you don't listen to the correction, if you don't listen to the teaching, you know, if you come in every Sunday morning and tune in and tune out and don't take anything from it, then I, I have no impact or, or anything into your life. The authority that I have in your life is what you have given me. And the truth is, is that it really does limit, uh, for a pastor in particular, it limits our ability to make an impact in your life based on the amount of, of authority that you give us in your life. It's actually what's spoken of in Matthew ten forty one, where he says, "The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. The one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive will receive a righteous person's reward." How you receive somebody impacts what they can do in your life. Many people have asked, you know, do you do you prefer to be called pastor? Or do you prefer to call? Po- be- be? They didn't ask it like that. They were more articulate. <laughs> And they said, do you prefer to be called pastor or do you care if people call you Wayne? Or, and the truth is, is that I don't care what you call, well, I do care, but you can call me <laughs> either one of those two things. But I think what you call me is indicative of how you receive me in your life. Um, that, I, I think that's, that's the purpose. You know, if, if you see me as your pastor, call me Pastor Wayne. And that's indicative of how, how you receive what I have to say. If I'm just some other some other guy that you know, call me Wayne, by all means. I'm not going to be offended. What you call me doesn't impact who I am in the eyes of the Lord. I am a pastor because God has called me to be so, not because somebody says I am, amen? But it will impact you and how you receive and what I, a kind of impact I can make in your life. It actually determines the level of benefit that I can make in your life. And the truth is, is that That's true of anybody that you give authority to. If there's leaders in this church, if you give them permission or authority to speak in your life, they can have an impact. But if you just ignore them and don't want anything to do with them, that'll limit the impact that they can have in your life. Like I said, this is true of whomever you give authority in your life. So that's the second type. First type is stolen authority. The second type is authority that you give to somebody. And the third type um, is, is determined by being under authority. And this is the kind of authority that uh, we most are are familiar with. This is the the type of delegated authority. And to give you an example that you would understand, and this is what I'm actually going to speak about today. The the one we're going to deal with is delegated authority. But an example of this would be a police officer. A police officer has authority in our lives because he is under authority to the people underneath him. And basically, if you follow the chain back, uh, uh, if somebody dresses up in a uniform but isn't actually a police officer, they have no authority in your life. They have no authority to give you a ticket. It's all just make-believe at that point. But if they are a police officer, they work for the state, they have authority delegated to them by the state of Arizona to write tickets to enforce the law. So the authority that they have is based on who they work for. It's been delegated down to them. You can't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a police officer, put on a uniform, and, and say that's what it is. It actually, the authority has to be given to you to do those things, <laughs> and the way it works is actually is it kind of works itself back the chain, right? So, so the the police officer is under authority to his supervisors, who are then under authority to their supervisors, all the way up to the chain till you get to the top, who is then under the authority of the state and the lawmakers of the state, which ultimately, and most people need to understand this and get this, they're held in authority to the people of this state that's why it's so important to vote that's why it's so important to make your voice heard because you have you can make a say at least if there's enough of us together um and the the authority of all of that is actually beholden to us but anyway the the idea of authority though is it is it it's a chain that goes all the way back to the top to to one who eventually has supreme authority there's one at the top who gives authority and then that is passed down the chain and I uh I was in the military, so I understand this type of authority. I was in the United States Army, for those of you guys who don't know, I was a mechanic, a wrench turner, and uh but that's kind of how it all worked. I, I was given authority from my superiors who went back up the chain as well. And and it's not just it's the the the, the police, the the fire department, the every place even the place that you work that's how it works, and the authority is, is all the way up to the chain. The, the person who owns the company gave authority to the person underneath him, all the way down to wherever you are in your position. But one of the features of this type of authority is not that there's just authority or power, but they are subject to a higher authority. That's the thing that we have to keep in mind, is that because the power comes from somewhere else, we have to be in, the person that is in authority has to be in submission to another authority figure as well and this is the type of authority that i I believe that as believers that we have we have been delegated authority by jesus christ we have power in this world when we're submitted to him and that's the key is that the chain of authority has to go all the way to the top And just as Jesus has delegated authority to us, we're going to see that authority was delegated to him from the Father, who is the supreme authority. So let's take that first look at that uh, to to really see a picture of what the Bible describes uh, how authority works. And that's Matthew 8, 5 through 10. It says, When he had entered... Capernaum a centurion came forward to him appealing to him lord. My servant is lying paralyzed at home suffering terribly And he said to him I will come and heal him But the centurion replied lord. I am not worthy to have you come under my roof But only say the word and my servant will be healed For I, too, am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith." This is probably the most clear, concise example of authority in the entire New Testament, if not the entire Bible. It really lays out what authority looks like. And not only does it, it uh, clearly demonstrate or is an example of authority, but it also demonstrates a person's understanding of authority as well. And you'll see that having that understanding is actually really important, understanding how authority works. And like I said, I was a soldier in the United States Army, so this makes sense to me. I lived this life. I know what it means to, to be given an order, and you carry it out because the one who gave you an order. You don't need reasons. You don't need uh, 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 the... All you need is the instruction, and you do what you're told. And truthfully, in the, in the Army, it's under penalty of some sort of punishment, depending on how, how big the infraction of disobeying orders. Um, it, it's kind of a big deal. So I understand for me it it fits I understand this and this guy he's he's a Roman soldier and he understood authority because it was foundational to his life in in the, the, the Roman army if you didn't understand authority you couldn't be effective as an army the reason why they were so effective is because people did what they were told. When they were told, matter of fact, that's one of the reasons why we can know that uh, Jesus didn't get stolen from the tomb because it was Roman soldiers guarding it. And they knew if they were to went to sleep, they were going to be put to death. You know, in the army now, depending on what you do, you might go to prison, you might get an Article 15 depending on, on the infraction. But back then, if you messed up, they just took your life. So people didn't mess up quite as often. You know, the reality is, is that Having a, a, a punishment for, for doing something criminal, for doing something you're not supposed to do, is a great deterrent. And actually it makes me afraid as we are, are as society, trying to make it easier to be criminals right now. Trying to take away all the laws, all the restrictions, all the, all the punishment, and all of a sudden there's no, there's no deterrent to doing something illegal. We certainly have to be careful about that. But this soldier, he understood authority because when he gave instructions, they were followed. He didn't have to wonder, I just told so-and-so to do this, I wonder if he's going to do it. He didn't have to follow up and check to make sure it was done because he knew that when he gave an order, it was done. Truthfully, because if it didn't get done, there was a severe penalty. And it was no different that if his, his superiors told him to do something, it got done. Because that's how authority works. You're in submission to the one above you, and then you can give authority to those underneath you. It would get done without question and without delay. And this was, the same was true for his soldiers. The soldiers that worked underneath him, they understood authority as well. They knew that if the centurion told them to do something, that they were going to do it. And then if the, the centurion gave a soldier authority to, to do something, and they went and told another soldier something to do, it was as if the centurion were telling that person themselves. That's the thing we also have to understand about authority is when you have authority delegated to you, it's not as if you are saying something, but it's just the person who gave you authority to do something says so. That's why when you are, are, are get a ticket uh, from a police officer, you go to court and it's the state that is putting the case against you. Because they're the ones that, when the when the officer gives you a ticket, it's as if the state itself was giving it to you. So the state is the one that enforces it. It's just like the reason I have been given the authority to marry people in the state of Arizona, and it, when I say it, it's by the authority vested in me. You know, I can sign the the marriage certificate by the state of Arizona, and it's the state. When I sign it, it's the same as the state agreeing. That this is okay so we have to understand authority when you stand in authority it's not like you're standing there yourself you're standing as the one all the way back up the chain so when the soldier gave an order that he was given authority to do it was just like the centurion was saying it, which in turn was just like his boss was saying it all the way up the chain and the, the case of the romans was seizure caesar, caesar was the supreme authority it was just like Caesar himself was saying it when the centurion gave an order. And the same was true for his superiors as well. And like I said, this chain of authority keeps going up and up and up and it hits it hit Caesar and, and whatever he said, Caesar said it. And, and for the Christian, if we take that chain all the way back, the greatest authority in our lives, the one who delegates authority is God himself. And I also want to point out one other thing That I think is important. Jesus, when he's given that description of authority by the Roman centurion, what does he equate it to? He equates it to faith. I began to look at this and realize that understanding authority and how it works is essential to understanding faith. Because when we understand that when we say something and it's by his authority, it's as good as God saying it. And how many know that that's encouraging to know that it's not based on your ability. It's not based on, uh, it's just trusting in God's authority that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Faith is understanding that the one who has all authority said it and it's going to get done, amen? So let's follow this chain of authority. In Matthew 28, 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me so we're going to take a look like i said at this chain of authority where it goes and the root of all authority in a believer's life is jesus right because he's what he's not only our savior he's our he's our lord he's the one that we answer to he's the next one up in the chain for us but as i said all of those who are in authority are subject to a higher authority until you get to the ultimate or the supreme authority you do get to a point at the top And for Jesus, it was God because there was no, there is no higher authority than God. So get your pens out because we can't go through them all, but I got some scriptures for you to write down and look at later. There's no higher authority than God. Where did I get that from? Well, that's all throughout the scripture. First Kings 8.23, and it says, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or an earth above. So there's no one like God. Psalm 86:8. 8, there is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. Isaiah 46, 9. Remember the former things of old. This is God speaking. For I am God and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. And there's so many verses like this in the Bible. 1 Samuel 2:2, 2, 1 2, Chronicles 17:20, Deuteronomy 33, 26. I told you to have your pen ready. Exodus 8:10. Jeremiah 10, 6. And that's just some of them. That's just some of them. The good news is it's recorded. You can listen to it later and write them down at your own leisure. You can hit pause and everything. But there's so many, the, the The idea that God is the supreme authority is so well supported in Scripture that none of us will ever even attempt to argue. We all just get that naturally. So God is the supreme authority. And what does he say? All authority. How much authority? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Is there any other places besides heaven and earth? That's it. It's the natural world and the heavenly world. All authority has been given to Jesus. And we know that Jesus is in subjection to his Father as well. Jesus, we talked about authority, right? The the next person in line not only has authority, but they have to be uh, in submission to the one who has authority over them, right? For the chain to stay in place. And we see that Jesus is, is, is subject to his Father as well. John 5.19 says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Here we see that Jesus only does what his Father does because his Father is the supreme authority. And he's subject to what he wants, the, the, the stuff that he wants to do. Just like a soldier can't do whatever he wants, he has to be subject to his superior. Jesus is subject in a submission to the Father. And he can do nothing of his own accord, but only what the Father does. And Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. And we're going to see that he's the first link in the chain. where We're going to see that he begins to delegate out authority as well. So in Matthew 10, 1, and it says he called to him his 12 disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. These are some of the things that I want to talk to you about today, the authority that we have to cast out demons. We have authority over sickness. We have authority. All the stuff that it's going to be talking out here, we're going to see eventually how we have that same authority. Unclean spirits cast them out to heal every disease and every affliction. So the next link in this chain is God and then Jesus and then the disciples. And we're not going to deal with it too much today because I, I realize as we look at this, the argument can be made, well, this is just talking about the disciples, Pastor Wayne. It's not talking about us. This, this authority was for the disciples. It's not for just everyday Christians like you and me. But we will get through that. And we'll point out that I, I believe, and I think the Scripture supports that he's talking about not just the 12 uh, apostles, but every disciple has the same authority. That's where the chain ends. It's actually a brilliantly, brilliantly short chain. It's God, Jesus, and then the disciples, of which if you are a child of God, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are one of those. So Jesus didn't delegate all authority, right? So Jesus got all authority of heaven and earth. Jesus didn't delegate all authority of heaven and earth, but he did delegate some pretty important and pretty uh, powerful pieces of authority to believers. Unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. I believe that, that healing was purchased by Jesus Christ and we have the authority to stand against it. And that's why when we we pray, we pray in faith. We anoint with oil, we lay hands on the sick. We believe that Jesus is faithful, that God is faithful, and he's watching over his word ready to perform it. And we stand in faith and believe for those things. And I, I love the fact that the disciples could stand just like we can and stand against unclean spirits. They could stand against sickness and disease knowing they have the full power and authority of God behind them. You know, one of the things I think that we do is that when we pray for people, we, we get a little nervous because we're like, Father, thank you for healing this person. And then we kind of peek out of one eye to see if anything anything's happened. Yet, ever done. Did, did anything happen yet? Because somehow we think that we're supposed to heal them. And we're worried that what if what if they don't get healed and that looks bad on me? It doesn't look bad on you. What looks bad on you is you you wondering if God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Your job is to lay hands on the sick and to exercise that authority. But the power of that authority comes from higher up. It's God's job to actually to, to do what he said he's going to do. And this is amazing. I mean, these these disciples, they could stand there knowing they had the, the power of God behind them. They could cast out unclean spirits. They could heal the sick. They could raise the dead. They could do amazing things. And it wasn't due to their own talent or ability. Thank God for that because I don't have as much talent or ability that I would like to have. But God is working in and through me. And matter of fact, if they came up to a sick person and they didn't exercise their authority, we'd be wondering what was going on. Why didn't they? I mean... I mean if you got the power to heal why are you not healing what what is going on why aren't they exercising their authority and we actually did you know there's a story in the bible where that very same thing happens at least it wasn't gross negligence they were at least trying but when jesus came down from the 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 transfiguration on the mountain he came remember the the boy they were trying to heal that kept being thrown in the fire and they couldn't cast the demon out of him what did jesus say to them how long and and, and this, he's not talking to the crowd he's talking to his disciples he rebuked his disciples and says how long must i be with this faithless generation you see when they weren't operating in their authority when they weren't operating in the, the full the the full power of what back behind them without full trust in what back behind them then they weren't able to accomplish what they were supposed to be able to accomplish they were supposed to be able to do that But Jesus referred to the disciples as a faithless generation. Their lack of faith was an indication that they didn't fully understand the weight of the authority that was behind them. And I think that as Christians, we kind of should wonder the same thing when we don't exercise authority over these things. If the disciples weren't exercising authority, then we should wonder why we wouldn't be exercising authority that we have but so many of us are afraid to use it we're afraid somehow we're going to let down god or it's going to look bad on ourselves but like i said i know the argument can be made pastor wayne he's talking about the disciples well the good news is is that he doesn't just talk about the 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 apostles i'm sorry in these particular instances, he also gives the same power to 72 disciples And at Luke 10, 17 through 20, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. That's the important part. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So now we have... Not just the twelve apostles, because you look, he says, even the demons are subject to us. And then th- later on, Jesus says that I have given you all authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Matter of fact, this looks like it's even more power than he gave the original apostles. So he said, I can give you power over the en- all power of the enemy you have authority over. So we don't just have the apostles getting this authority, we have we have also the seventy-two disciples that he sent out. And they were overjoyed that they had power over redeeming. Can you imagine like, if you actually stepped out? You know, could you imagine what, what it would do to you if you went and somebody had cancer, you laid hands on them, and they were completely healed with cancer, you'd be rejoicing. Too many of us are afraid to do it because we're afraid it might not happen. What if it does? But So these guys, they cast out demons and they're rejoicing that they're, they're subject to our name. And, and then Jesus says, yeah, I, I, guys, you did a great job. I even saw... Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And this is basically him saying, yeah, I get it, guys. I saw Satan's power being diminished because you were walking in my name. I saw that Satan's kingdom was hurting because you were walking in my name. You guys want to see Satan fall like lightning? It's time we start walking in authority and and taking authority over the stuff that he's trying to usurp usurp authority in our lives. Amen? But we are given a special warning here. We need to make sure that it doesn't get wrapped up in our head. He says, look, guys, it's good that you're doing that. I saw the kingdom of darkness get hurt. But don't get don't get it all, all up in your head like you're the one doing it. He says, look, I've given you this power. It's true. But don't rejoice in this power. Rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. And the truth is, is that he gave similar advice to the, the 12 apostles when he sent them out in Matthew 10, 8, which is just a few verses down the road from this one. He says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. The idea is, is that this isn't for our gain and our glory. We're not supposed to be rich off this. We're supposed to do it to glorify God and exercise the authority of His kingdom. The authority of God is actually given to us to, for the work of building His church and spreading the gospel. That's why we're given power, amen? Amen. So that not only we can rejoice with our names be written in the book of life, but that everyone who who we can usher into the kingdom their names are written as well. Amen. But like I said, I, I understand. Once again, you could make the argument, Well, Pastor Wayne, sure, this is for the apostles. And sure this is for the seventy-two, but that doesn't mean it's for all of us. And I want you to hold that thought. Because we do have, I do have another verse of scripture that I want to talk about where it refers to him giving authority to someone else. And then we're going to answer that question for you guys so in Matthew sixteen, sixteen through 19 it says Simon Peter replied you are the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus answered him blessed are you Simon Barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven and I tell you you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven and the reason I want to look at this one is one to to understand as Christians what type of a we actually have to what it means to have this authority. So first we, we see that this is the time when when Simon Peter has a revelation of who Jesus is, right? That's what it says. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon of our for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my father who is in heaven, this was a, 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 a you know, the, the, the sun dawned over Jerusalem moment. He finally got it. Who Jesus, he, you're the son, son of God. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. And then Jesus says, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. A side note on this part. Uh, many people uh, have made the claim that what he's saying is that on the, the, the Peter is the rock upon which he builds the church. And, and I would argue that, that it's actually not what is being said here. He's not saying, I tell you, you are Peter, and on Peter on you, I will build my church. There's a couple reasons why, one, the, the Peter, the people make this argument is that Peter uh, is actually the, the Greek word and even, the, I believe, the, the Aramaic word that they use for Peter all translates to rock. But the, the word that Jesus used here for rock is a completely different word for one. But two, if we take a look at Scripture, how many know that when you look at Scripture, you should interpret Scripture by Scripture? So let's take a look at what the rest of the Bible says about that. In Psalm 118.2 and Isaiah 28.16, both of those Scriptures, and you're going to need to write this down because we don't have time to read through all of these, but Psalm 118.2 and Isaiah 28.16, both of these refer to the Messiah stone or the corner rock. Matthew 21, 42, as Jesus quoting the above, those, those scriptures above, and refers to himself as the cornerstone. Peter and the apostles actually both taught, all taught this in Acts 4, 10-12, that he is the cornerstone. Peter himself refers to Jesus as the rock, uh, the foundation of which the church is built on, not himself. And then Paul also teaches this in 1 Corinthians three eleven and Ephesians 2, 19-22. So the reality is it's not Peter is the rock that the church is built on, but the realization, the recognition that Jesus Jesus is the son of god jesus is the messiah jesus is the foundation the cornerstone that the church is built on and the understanding of who he is because that's the key if you don't recognize jesus christ as your lord and savior as messiah then the church doesn't get built but when you do each person is being laid in as a stone on the foundation that was him amen but he goes and then he goes on and says i will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven anybody ever wonder what that meant Keys is just it's 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 a description for for authority It means that you have the power to open the doors. You have the key It's just it's just a way of him saying that I am giving you the the authority of heaven Then he says and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven Now the thing about this though is that the translation on this is kind of weird you'll notice in your bible on this verse right here you probably have a little bit a little footnote almost every bible i've ever looked at has a little footnote and they all say actually it should be translated differently which is weird because they all have it and none of them translate it differently they all translate it like this but what it should say is i'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven um, another translation uh, that I've read that they've, they've described it as is whatever you bind on earth will be bound having already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed having already been loosed in heaven. So the difference here is twofold. It doesn't mean that Peter or anybody has some special power and says, you know what? I'm going to bind Cocoa Puffs so now they're going to be bound in heaven. What he's saying is, is that we have the authority to declare whatever is bound in heaven to be bound on earth and to declare whatever has been loosed in heaven will be loosed on earth that's the difference not not shall be loose but shall have been loosened. it's already been done in heaven we're declaring the truth of what has happened up there to be a reality down here so what that means is that 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 sickness can be bound on earth because it's already bound in heaven and that means forgiveness can be loosed on earth because it's already been loosed in heaven amen does that make sense to everybody so i want you to understand the authority that we walk in is not stuff that we get to make up out of the blue but it's stuff that's already been established in god's kingdom in heaven and we can declare that's why it says we pray for his will be done on earth as it is in heaven i think that's the greatest evidence that everything on earth is not god's will because we're supposed to pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those things that are bound in heaven, we can declare them and stand on them faithfully already being done here. Amen? Amen. And then we talk about this. When I, One of the things that we always have to look at in scriptures and context and who is he talking about? Who is he talking to? And, and in this case, it looks like he's actually talking to Peter just Peter. Although verse 20 if you look at verse 20 he's actually it, it kind of transitions from a speaking to Peter to a a, a teaching to to all the disciples, all the apostles that are there. So maybe he, in this case, he's just talking to Peter. Maybe he's talking to the disciples, using this as a teaching moment. But it goes on to be very clear in Matthew 18:18 18, 18, that he is talking to all the disciples using the same language, binding and loosing. So if you look in Matthew 18:18, 18, 18, I'm sorry I'm not putting everything up there. If I did, we'd be here all morning. So you're going to have to write some stuff down and look it up later and see if I'm telling you the truth. That's what I should do. Is I should, I should put one fake one in there so that way I know if people are writing it down and checking <laughs> up on stuff. In second hesitations, it says, let's see if anybody... <laughs> and here's the thing. I believe, and I believe it's backed up by Scripture, and we're going to look at that briefly as we end the, the message today, that one, like I said, it's not just to Peter, it's to all the apostles, but I think that every instruction... All authority given to the apostles, to the disciples has been given to every single member of the church. Every person that calls Jesus Lord. In John 14, 12 14, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will, will he do because I am going to the father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, and the fa- that the Father might be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Do you guys know the importance of, of why we, when we pray, we say in Jesus' name? Has anybody ever thought about it, or is it just something we do because that's what they do in church? And I, 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 if that's, if that's why you do it it's okay one that's why we come so we can learn and understand why we're doing these things and two you, you can have, particularly on wednesday nights i'm always asking why do we do the things that we do there's stuff that we do in church that we do in this church that i'm starting to go why do we uh, we do it because it's what we've always done but i'm starting to question these things because so when i ask these questions i'm not trying to belittle anybody i have these questions sometimes too and i don't understand it all either but in this case The reason why we say in Jesus' name is because we're doing it in His authority. When we say in the name of Jesus be healed, it's just like Jesus was speaking that to that person. And this authority is given to all believers. Whoever believes in Me, raise your hand if that's you. So if you're born again and that's you, then the rest of this applies to you, right? Everybody follow me here? Whoever believes in Me will also do the works that I do Jesus did some awesome stuff. All the stuff that he did. What What are some of the things that Jesus did? He healed the sick. He cast out spirits, demons. He raised the dead. How many of you guys think that you can raise the dead? See, that's the problem we have. Is, is we're we've been taught our we've been taught our entire lives that that's impossible. We're taught that in school that that's impossible. We're taught that even in our own experience, we see that that's impossible. But the reality is is that, that if we understood the authority that we were walking in, if we believe that God is who He says, and you've got to be crazy to believe this, but be crazy enough to believe that God is who He said He is and He'll do what He said He's going to do, then i think we would see more of this happen i think the reason why you see more more supernatural miracles in third world countries is because they're okay with the supernatural here and here in the, the united states you know we only believe in science <laughs> you know there's some uh, afrikaans cussing in that just so you know <laughs> you don't understand it my, pa- my my pastor from the tucson church she was uh He was uh, from South Africa, so he spoke Afrikaans and he cracks up every time because they're just cussing up a storm in Afrikaans. (laughs) Um, Now I'm distracted. Where was I at? Uh, The other thing Jesus did is he proclaimed the forgiveness of sins, and that's something that we can do as well. Matter of fact, Jesus said that, that whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and greater works than these. Now, I believe he's talking about volume, not stature. There's not very many greater works than raising somebody from the dead. But as a church, we should be doing way more than Jesus ever did in his lifetime. We should see more healings, more people raised from the dead, more demons cast out, more proclamation of the forgiveness of sins than he did. That's, that's who we're supposed to do because we believe in him and then we do it in his name with his authority. And this isn't the only place you see this. Another one that's pretty common is Mark 16, 17 through 18. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Doesn't that sound like all the same things that he was talking about? Where did that go? Did I go too far? I did. Here he says he gave them the authority to cast out unclean spirits, to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. So... If that one he's talking to everybody who believes in his name, but this one's just talking to the apostles, don't you think that that authority also applies to us, not just the apostles? We have that same authority and we do it in his name. And we have the incredible promise that he says that if you ask it in my name, I will do it. How come so often we act like we think Jesus is a liar? So often we live like that when we lay hands on the sick we're going through the motion we're not really sure if it's going to happen we hope that this is the one time that that the the heavenly slot wheel gets rolled and and they're going to be healed this time or they're going to be delivered this time but I, i i think that if we would start to get a hold Of what is going on that we would see it happen so much more often and stop being afraid of the supernatural but start being expectant of the supernatural start believing that god is who he says he is he'll do what he says he's going to do and that everything that we do we do it according to his name and like i said it's just like as if he was doing it himself when we do it in his name church we have been delegated authority by the one who has all authority And the chain doesn't go back very far. God gave authority to his son who gave authority to us to do the same works that he did. So church, I want to challenge you. Get a little crazy. Believe what the Bible says. And let's start walking in authority, Amen? amen? Amen.